All righty, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, this is our 36th episode, and we're coming to you on Monday instead of Sunday, because as we all know, yesterday was Super Bowl Sunday. We were all watching the game, and we wanted to kind of get a good day in and kind of digest all the stuff that we saw on Sunday and kind of report to you guys what we saw. Um, if you guys did not watch the game for some weird reason, uh, but if you're <laughs> listening to the podcast, I assume that you have. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers won by a score of 31 to 9 against the Kansas City Chiefs. Tom Brady's seventh ring. Uh, Dylan, as a firm believer in Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, mm-hmm. what did you think about this game? So, there's a bunch of reasons why I believe the Buccaneers won this game, but I'm going to just give it to you straight. Mm-hmm. The Bucs basically dominated the Chiefs in every single aspect of this game mm-hmm. offensively, defensively. Running, passing. The only thing that really kind of annoyed me when I was watching this game is mm-hmm. like in the first quarter, the Chiefs started like every single one of their drives at the 40 yard line because our punts kept going like 10 yards backwards. Yeah. <laughs> and then Pringle was getting these returns and stuff. But any other than that, I mean, the Bucks literally dominated at it over everything. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, the Chiefs' offensive line. Absolutely mm-hmm. horrible performance. Was pretty mm-hmm. expected, uh, mm-hmm. considering they had uh, a bunch of backups in there. Mm-hmm. But the Packers were dealing with some backups. The mm-hmm. Saints, I don't know if they were dealing with some backups, but the Packers were. They were able to do a much better job uh, containing the Bucks' pass rush. <clears throat> the mm-hmm. Chiefs really, once the first quarter kind of passed, they really had no chance. Mahomes was running for mm-hmm. his life. The mm-hmm. defensive pass rush was the best I've seen it all season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shaquille Barrett uh, really uh, was kind of inconsistent during the regular season. During the playoffs, he played absolutely really amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. Sue, Pierre Paul, all of those things. And then another mm-hmm. aspect, the Chiefs' defensive discipline. Now, mm-hmm. if you want to say Tom Brady's getting bailed out by the refs, I mm-hmm. – I'm going to say every single one of the flags that was thrown was rightfully thrown a flag except for the one that was a Mike Evans overthrow in the end zone. I don't think that was catchable for Mike Evans. Mm -hmm. But the deep ball one, the one on the interception, I think all of those were rightful flags. And then Mm -hmm. uh, Mikko Hardman literally lined up offsides on a field goal attempt. Like, what are you doing? How can you do that in the Super Bowl? Against Tom Brady, the go, uh, the guy who comes the most prepared to every single game, you just mm-hmm. can't make that many mistakes and uh, not and be able to win. It's just not possible. And then, additionally, the Bucks or the Chiefs' defense, excuse me, is mm-hmm. pretty good. Uh, I like mm-hmm. the defensive coordinator. I think he's a pretty mm-hmm. good coordinator. But they literally just could not stop the run. Leonard Fournette and yeah. Ronald Jones both averaged over five yards a carry, and between those two, they had a combined twenty-eight carries. You're rarely, mm-hmm. rarely going to see that from a Tampa Bay offense uh, mm-hmm. if you watch the games this season, having over 25 carries like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the Chiefs just did not do enough to win this game at all, offensively, defensively, and in terms of discipline. Yeah, I completely agree here, Dylan. Uh, I pride Andy Reid as being a really great coach. I always love how he comes off a of bye. He's got the best record in NFL history coming off a of bye week, and I thought that he'd be able to add to that, but he ended up losing, and This squad, like Dylan said, they just did not look prepared to play on Sunday. This looked like a regular season game, Chiefs performance. Uh, I mean, we've seen in the past uh, during this season how the Chiefs have kind of faltered. They've had issues in the end zone. 
Um, they just had issues all around. They look out of sync, but then they just pull it together. And with that talent and with Patrick Mahomes, they're able to just win games. They went 14 and two this season for a reason. Um, but to start this game, it really, it seemed like the chiefs were in a slump, but they usually start games kind of slow. So did the bucks. They had their customary four and out um, <laughs> yeah. or three and out. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, the the Buccaneers really their defense was great. Todd Bowles amazing game plan. Uh, one kind of similarity that I want to point out: they came after Patrick Mahomes and they attacked that Eric Fisher loss on the offensive line, much like they did the Dave Batakari Bakhtiari loss against the Green Bay mm-hmm. Packers. Um, they really got after Aaron Rodgers in that game. They made him uncomfortable. That's why he was missing some reads. He wasn't. He he played a great game. Uh, um, when it's all said and done, but overall, they were just able to make him uncomfortable. They really took advantage of that weak spot, that left tackle. Uh, I mean, yeah, Eric Fisher, a big loss for the Chiefs. That offensive line just basically, it was combustible. It was, it, there was nothing, nothing doing for them. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, yeah, two interceptions, no touchdowns by this Chiefs team at all. And when you have the best tight end in the league and an arguable top five, top 10 wide receiver in the league and Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, respectively, there's no way that you should not be getting in the end zone. Uh, overall, I think what Dylan said was spot on. I think the Bucks were just more prepared to come into this game. I, I don't think it was because of Bruce Arians. Um, he, he, <laughs> he literally said in his interview, I did not do a darn thing. Um, and I fully stand by that. I saw Brucey Bruce with his glasses off the entire fourth quarter. I don't know how he's seen the field. Um, definitely, there's some other guys running the show there. Um, but overall, yeah, the Bucks were just – they were just the better team, and they played much better than the Chiefs. The Chiefs' defense really – Tyron Matthew versus Tom Brady. I mean, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in the second, but he was getting cooked. He had the he had the wrong time to have a bad game, and just overall this Bucks team was just so great. Uh, yeah. Like Dylan said, they established the run. They were ferocious on defense. Patrick Mahomes was doing his best Russell Wilson impression. To all you Chiefs fans saying how – Patrick Mahomes had no help. That's literally how Russell Wilson has played for the last 10 years. Yeah. So you guys should shut up. Um, <laughs> but overall, I expected the Chiefs to win. I expected it to be a shootout. Um, I was wrong. But, yeah, this Bucks team yeah. it is really incredible what they were able to do after that not great start to the season. Some, some more things I wanted to add here. Uh, I saw some next-gen stats uh, mm-hmm. as Tony Romo was giving me some in-depth analysis. Uh, yep. Bucks uh played cover two. Uh, basically, what that means is they had two over the top safeties. Yep. Uh, I think it was like eighty eight percent of the snaps, which was like by mm-hmm. far the most of any team like all mm-hmm. season. And what mm-hmm. that does basically is they're just trying to get rid of the deep ball. Last mm-hmm. game in the regular season, uh, Tyree Kill literally just torched them yep. up and down the field. So they had over the top safety help on Tyree Kill, no matter where he lined up. Mm-hmm. And that just forced a bunch of shorter passes to Kelsey. Because if you look at the Chiefs yep. box score, Kelsey, uh, 10 catches for 133 yards. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those are just like 10-yard like curl routes, in routes, yep, out routes, yep. and things like that. And they just weren't connecting on the big plays. And you're just yep. not going to be able to connect. If you can't connect on big plays, uh, intermediate, yep. can't score in the red zone, you're just not going to beat the Bucks. Their offense, it's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. And then, uh, additionally, to the Chiefs, uh, if you've watched Chiefs games before, they have historically been very uh, undisciplined. But 
their offensive talent has been able to make up for it time and time again. Mm-hmm. But it's just that just does is not going to work against Tom Brady in the playoffs. And yeah. uh, I just want to throw in some historical context here. You know, so for those yeah. of you that are in uh, AP US history, when you're <laughs> writing a essay, you need to set up some historical context before you mm-hmm. write your thesis statement. And if okay. we're talking about why the Bucks win as our prompt, I think some historical context here has got to be the Bucks won because Bill Belichick pushed Tom Brady out of New England because he thought that he could win without Tom Brady. He didn't think Tom Brady was that same guy. And that ultimately just allowed the Bucks to to get Tom Brady in to win because 7-9 and nine without Tom Brady last year, it's practically the same team add Gronkowski and Antonio Brown, who didn't really do anything during the regular season, obviously postseason. Mm-hmm. That was a different story. Although yep. AB didn't really do much this postseason. Gronk obviously had a great game. Mm-hmm. It's basically the same team with an extra year of development. Add mm-hmm. Tom Brady and Antoine Winfield Jr. And this team's a Super Bowl champion. Mm-hmm. It's just Tom Brady just outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, like he said, he the, his team just got beat. They really, really yeah. had like no chance. So after like the first quarter, the team yep. was literally just sucked out. All of their mm-hmm. life was sucked out. All their energy was sucked out. Mm-hmm. And they were really just on their heels. The Bucks came and kept running. And another thing, too, like Ronald Jones was literally inches away from making this a 28-point game if he scored the touchdown yep. on that fourth and inches. So mm-hmm. the Chiefs were really just out of this game, like pretty much the entire time past the first quarter. Yeah, and uh, to add to your point about the, the Buccaneers limiting the big play, uh, the Chiefs, their longest play of the game was a 14-yard little dumper to Travis Kelsey, which is saying a lot, especially in this Chiefs offense. If 14 yards is your largest play, that, that's just a great defense. That's a sign of a great defense. I think that Devin White, Shaquille Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, they, Levante David, this entire defense was cooking. And the secondary, which was probably the weakest part of this defense, their pass rush is amazing, their run defense is amazing, linebacking core is amazing. That secondary, which has been a little bit spotty earlier in the year, has really just figured themselves out in this playoffs. And they really, they limited Tyreek Hill very well. Travis Kelsey, I mean, they're going to give up the underneath stuff. He's a great route runner. He's a, he's a mm-hmm. force. So you can't really stop him. But they limited him to the short yardage, which I think was their game plan coming in. And, yeah, it, it was it was not like last year where we saw the Chiefs kind of claw, behind, claw have a come from behind victory. This was just pure domination. You're wondering when the Chiefs are going to wake up. They just never did. Yeah, so another kind of question that people are asking, uh, who really won this game more? Was it the Bucks defense playing good, mm-hmm. or was it the Chiefs offense just really not getting it together? Drew, what do you think? I mean, you got to look at the numbers before you make a claim like that. I mean, yeah, the Chiefs offensive line – Yes, Eric Fisher, is he's a great player. He's a great left tackle. But even without him, that team is still a top 20 offensive line in the league. And the Buccaneers, mm-hmm. uh, the Buccaneers defense, they're number one pass rush and number one rush defense in the league. When you're putting those two teams, putting those two together, even if you have Eric Fisher, of course, I'm pretty sure Patrick Mahomes is a much better game. Um, if Eric Fisher's in the game, because then that offensive line isn't going to collapse as much. But this defense was just completely prepared. Even if Patrick Mahomes is at least slightly comfortable and he has to deliver a, a couple of really great throws, as we know he can make, you'd rather him force the difficult throw, which I think Todd Bull's kind of game plan for so well by playing so much cover two. 
you would rather eliminate the deep ball and let him beat you underneath than you would just give up the deep shots like you did to Tyreek Hill back earlier mm. in the regular season. So I think this was definitely a case of, yes, their offensive line was weakened, but that defense was just too tenacious. I think even if Eric Fisher's in the game, the Bucks are still able to get to Patrick Mahomes a lot and pressure him, and I think they still win this game maybe. Yeah, so I might need some pro football focus uh, analytics, but – but Eric Fisher, if he plays one offensive lineman, in my opinion, is just not making up for a 22-point differential. Because yep. what I saw in the first quarter when the Chiefs O-line was kind of semi-holding up compared to mm-hmm. how they played in the rest of the game, mm-hmm. Mahomes was missing throws on that big throw down to Hardman. He was kind of wide open on a crossing route. Uh-huh. Would have put them into field goal range. Kelsey and Hill both mm-hmm. had some drops that would have – Yeah, uh, the entire unit had some drops. Moved, which moved the chains. Yep. And the Bucks defense, like Drew said, their pass rush and their run defense is very, very good. And mm-hmm. that secondary is definitely the weaker point. And by the Chiefs being a very pass-heavy team mm-hmm. and the Bucks playing zone defense uh, kind of fits in to the Bucks' defensive strengths where their mm-hmm. weaknesses aren't going to be as much out there. Because with the mm-hmm. cover two zone, they basically have seven, eight guys in coverage with three or four guys rushing. The yep. best way, like from what I've been hearing, what I've been seeing, to get mm-hmm. out of a, get the defense out of a cover two is you just got to be able to run it, and that's going to force them to put more people in the box and uh, put more mm-hmm. linemen in there. But the Chiefs were down the whole game, and mm-hmm. their passing is definitely how they put up points, and they just weren't able to get the Bucks out of that cover two. But yeah, so I think it is uh, definitely a uh, Bucks um, scheme adjustment. The mm-hmm. players who have played good all season played really good. The players who kind of, you know, had their bad moments here and there, I thought they played pretty solid too, but it wasn't like super special or anything. Like the receivers, uh, when Mahomes wasn't running for his life, the receivers were still <laughs> getting some pretty good separation. Mm-hmm. But because uh, the cover two, they don't have to follow the receivers all the way around because the Bucks DBs, they're fast and physical, but, you know, their mm-hmm. coverage one-on-one is spotty sometimes. But with that cover, too, they don't need to worry about it because, you know, yep. just shove the guy, run with him, pass him on to the next guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Bucks defense was, I'd say, played diff- a bit better than the Chiefs uh, offense did poorly. Mm-hmm. I really just don't know how to describe it because yeah. the O-line, the Chiefs passed like the first, second quarter. Mm-hmm. We're never really to get in able to get back into the true offensive sets because like their deep ball is kind of that primary component Mm -hmm. uh if you want to force them to throw like five six yard curl routes Mm -hmm. they're not they don't want to do that that's not what they want to do they don't want to be running halfback draws and screens Mm -hmm. they want to hit deep crossers deep posts and all of that and the cover two kind of just takes that away well yeah for sure i think that this tampa bay defense was just game plan perfectly but uh moving on here uh speaking of defense Dylan, a lot of people, there have been, there's been a little bit of controversy about this uh, Super Bowl MVP going to Tom Brady. Dylan, do you think it should have gone to Tom Brady, or who do you think should have won it? I still think it should have gone to Tom Brady because mm-hmm. Tom Brady, uh, he still had a pretty solid game, 21 for 29, three mm-hmm. touchdowns. While he did only have 201 yards, yeah. uh, the Super Bowl, this was a very kind of possessing the ball kind of game because mm-hmm. – the Chiefs aren't going to be able to put up points if mm-hmm. uh, they don't have the ball. It's simple as that. It was mm-hmm. kind of a lot of long drives, short passes, uh, mm-hmm. kind of like I was a bit predicting. I thought they would go deep a bit more mm-hmm. but uh, and things like that. But there's kind of a lot of short passes because you see their leading receivers, Gronkowski, 
he's not running deep. He got six catches. Fournette is a running back. Obviously, he's not going deep. Four catches. Mm -hmm. Then Antonio Brown, he is a wide receiver. He had five catches, but it was only for 22 yards, which is less than five yards per catch. Just Uh a lot of short passes and a lot of, like, long sustained drives putting up points. And I think you have to give Tom Brady credit for that because it is really tough to consistently – go down the field without hitting big plays uh, here and there. And they were just able to do that a lot. And even if you think the defense was the main reason they won, I don't think you can pinpoint it to a single player as much to it's the unit uh, mm-hmm. as to where the defense, a defensive player would get the MVP over Tom Brady. Yeah, I completely agree here, Dylan. I still think that Tom Brady deserves it. I think that his first half was great. I mean, he had three touchdowns in the first half. Um, But like you said, the entire second half, it's not that Brady wasn't doing well. We know that he was doing well. No interceptions. He had that one interception, but that was called back on a kind of controversial holding call. I kind of disagree about that call, but I I mean, it's whatever. They weren't calling stuff on both sides, so you can't really complain too much. But uh, I think he definitely still does deserve the Super Bowl MVP. I mean, it was a lot like the Packers game where he had a really great first half. Second half, he didn't do as much. I mean, with the Packers game, he was making mistakes. Here, he wasn't really making mistakes. And it really was just more of a game plan thing. They were trying to choose as much clock as possible. They're running it on first down, second down, then just throwing short short routes on third down if they needed to. Um, but really, the game plan going in was keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands because we have the lead. So mm. I, I feel like he's still got to give it to Brady. It's not like he, he would just let the foot off the gas. It, it was just how the team was playing. And like Dylan said, I, I would definitely, if you could do a shared MVP, I would give this to the defense because I think that the defense was definitely stronger than Tom Brady was. But you can't really – I don't think any one player on the defense was stronger yeah. than Tom Brady. I think that it was just – as a cohesive unit, this defense was just great. So I don't really think you can give one player in particular the MVP. I mean, it would be between, like, Levante David, Shaquille Barrett maybe, Jason Pierre-Paul – you got so many guys you can't really you can't like you can't have one guy take the credit for all the defense so yeah yeah so system agreement there tom ready mvp uh moving (laughs) on antoine winfield Mm -hmm. uh if you guys didn't see this Mm -hmm. uh after he gets an interception or actually no not that interception he deflects a pass that was meant to go to tyree kill and tyree kill is kind of laying on the ground he throws up the deuces Mm-hmm. Uh, which is Tyreek Hill's uh, kind of custom signature celebration, which he uses mm-hmm. like when he blows past the defender, mm-hmm. throws up the deuces because, you know, he's too fast for that defender to guard him. Mm-hmm. Winfield got it back to Tyreek Hill. Drew, what was your reaction to this? I'm going to be honest. Uh, a lot of times uh, I don't really like it when guys showboat like that, um, especially since I did have the Chiefs winning. I wasn't too happy about like, I wouldn't be too happy about showboating, but that that was such a great celebration. The fact that, Tyreek did uh, – he threw up the deuces to Winfield uh, the last time that they ah, played yeah, when he burned him. So it was kind of like yeah. a revenge type of thing. And, I mean, it was completely worth the penalty in my opinion. Uh, I mean, luckily he didn't give up a first down. So it, it was like – it wasn't a completely stupid move, um, like costing his entire team. But, it, I mean, it, it was worth the penalty. It was so – it was so dope. And, I mean, you can't really get mad at him for doing that. It's just such a well-deserved moment. Yeah, I completely agree. I absolutely love this moment. Uh, mm-hmm. Tyree Kill, not the biggest fan of that guy. You know, uh, on the field. Fun issues he, off the field. On the field, I think he is kind of <laughs> overrated at certain times. Uh, mm-hmm. Off the field, you know, obviously not a fan of his behavior over there. But uh, <laughs> Antoine Winfield is one of my favorite players on the team in the mm-hmm. entire NFL. I love his game. 
Uh-huh. I think he has tons of potential. Uh, and despite him not being necessarily the best defensive player on the Bucks right now, he's kind of a, a big leader call, calling the plays in that secondary, making the adjustments. And he's only a rookie. And Winfield got burned by Tyreek Hill uh, in that first time they came around. Winfield kept kept the receipts, came back against <laughs> Tyreek Hill, uh, threw up the deuces. It was kind of just, you know, uh, foot on the neck, kind of just – we're so much better than you. You guys just got outplayed this entire game. Uh, someone's got to bring the energy on that Bucks defense. The offense, they don't really have guys that are kind of going to do that. Uh, Tom Brady, you know, had his moment there. We're going to discuss that soon. But mm-hmm. Winfield, I really like this moment. And- but uh, speaking of getting chippy during the game, uh, I mean, Tyron Matthew and Tom Brady, this was kind of a very coverage story. They had a very public beef during the game. You saw Brady and Tyron Matthew kind of jawing at each other. Uh, Dylan, what did you think? What did you think between the altercation? Who do you think – do you think that Tyron was in the right to call out Brady and do you think Brady was in the right to kind of shout at him back? Now, Tyron Matthew, uh, he has every right to celebrate uh, getting a stop on Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. But Tom Brady is a very, very, very risky man to kind of call out and celebrate against like that. Mm-hmm. Uh Tom Brady's going to keep the receipts, like I said, Winfield yeah. uh, did. Uh, and Tyron Matthew just has the absolute audacity to trash talk the GOAT, the greatest <laughs> clutch performer the sport has ever seen. And I saw reports and tweets, uh, that one from Stephen A. Smith, that mm-hmm. said Tom Brady was literally targeting Tyron Matthew. And, well, I don't know, mm-hmm. that might be a bit of a stretch, but I think mm-hmm. that definitely has some truth to it because mm-hmm. on one of the – they came out, it was like a two-yard – or they're mm-hmm. at the two or one yard line. They came out in basically a goal line formation that mm-hmm. had AB out wide, and they threw the ball to Antonio Brown when they literally just like an inch or two away from the end zone. And of course, mm-hmm. Tyron Matthew is guarding uh, Mr. Antonio Brown and gave up the touchdown. This guy mm-hmm. got beat time and time again. This guy could not guard Mike Evans without shoving him, holding him, <laughs> anything like that. He had committed mm-hmm. tons of penalties. And he really just contributed to Tom Brady getting amped up. And that's really just the last thing you want to get uh, the Bucks quarterback Tom Brady to do because this guy's already super locked in before the game. Uh, probably the most locked in player I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And he's just contributing to him getting into that psycho Tom stage as you saw him uh, yell out, let's effing go with one minute <laughs> left in that huddle. Uh, he's not doing that in New England. Uh, I like this Tom Brady in Tampa Bay because you kind of get to see more of his personality because Bill mm-hmm. Belichick uh, in New England kind of like limits the things like that, <laughs> kind of makes them like chess players, robots and like that. But I just love seeing Tom Brady being able to get back at Tyron Matthew. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyron Matthew, if you want to talk after one play, you could do that. But Tom Brady's going to come after you, and he's just going to be so much better than you because he is just so much better than you. So, Brady, love to see it. I uh, love to see how he clapped back. But Matthew, hopefully he learns his lesson for next time. Yeah, I agree here. Matthew, I'm going to be completely honest. He has no business talking. One of the, the thing that I think set it off where Brady kind of got back in Matthew's face was when they literally they, – they scored a touchdown – and then Brady went and he said something. And then Matthew shook his finger in Brady's face while they were up. Like, they were up, like, four scores. Like, what are you what are you doing, dude? And this guy, like, he – I'm going to say this. He, he did not have a great game. He got routed up, like, almost every single every single time. He got routed up in the end zone by A.B. Um, but just overall, yeah, you, Tom Brady is not someone you want to piss off. And getting Tom Brady pissed off is probably the downfall of your team. And 
Tyron Matthew, he just looked frustrated the entire game. I think he tried taking out some of it on Brady. Brady apologized after. It just kind of shows that he's a good guy. Um, but, yeah, Tyron Matthew, really, he had no business pissing off Tom Brady. And, yeah, that was a mistake on his part. So, moving on, halftime reaction. The big performer was the weekend. Drew, what did you think of the Super Bowl halftime performance? Uh, so, I'm a weekend fan. I really liked his last album. And, I mean, I've been a fan uh, for quite a while. So, it was really nice to see him kind of get his Super Bowl halftime debut. One thing I am kind of surprised, though, is that they had no guest performers, and this seemed a little bit shorter than usual. Like, last year with Shakira and J-Lo, uh, and that seemed to go on for quite a while. Yeah, this one did seem a bit shorter. Yeah, but uh, just overall, the weekend, he paid out, paid, uh, like, the entire people, like, all the people running this event, and, like, all the light fixtures, all the stage stuff out of his own pocket, and he's not getting paid to perform, which I think is really cool. Just kind of shows how dedicated he is to this event and how big this is for him. He's the first Canadian artist to perform at the Super Bowl, um, which I think is cool. And as a fan of just kind of like this kind of genre of music, I really like the performance. I He was performing some of his like best songs. He had like Starboy, he had I'm Feeling Coming. Um, and then he ended it off with Blinding Lights. I think the sets were really, really cool. I think that the whole thing with the lights was really cool. Uh, I, I A lot of people were pointing out that they thought his mic was sounding a little bit weird and I do agree I think his mic was like a little bit quiet in some parts which is kind of strange but overall I really like this halftime show it's one of the better ones that I've seen in quite a while um I think that it's definitely the best that I've seen out of like the last three Super Bowls and as someone who's like my other favorite artist or not my favorite artist ever obviously but another one of my favorite artists that ended up going to the Super Bowl who is Travis Scott ended up just utterly disappointing everyone um so it was nice to see an artist like Another artist that I really like uh, go and perform at the Super Bowl and not disappoint and have a really good performance because I think he definitely did. Yeah, so I'm going to be honest. I didn't really pay that much attention to this. Uh, <laughs> I was kind of watching YouTube videos and uh, the performance at the same time. But mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty solid. Uh, he is definitely a lot more talented than some of the other uh, performers we've been seeing that kind of rely on, you know, uh, special effects and things like that. I, mm-hmm. I like how he... Uh, spent his own money i think that kind of shows his commitment mm-hmm. anytime you're doing that you know i respect that mm-hmm. uh i don't think it was like absolutely amazing but i think it was definitely very good mm-hmm. and uh yeah that's pretty much all i gotta say <laughs> yeah but uh moving on to more football um after this super bowl loss a lot of people are questioning the future of the kansas city chiefs i mean you have tyreek hill before the game talking about how they want to go like jordan they want to get six or seven rings Dylan, what do you think the future holds for Kansas City? Do you think they can make it back to the big stage next year? I think they'll definitely be making it back to the Super Bowl at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, this team is just so good. Uh, they have mm-hmm. the most talented QB in the league, Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have extremely good offensive weapons, arguably the best offensive weapons for a quarterback to have. Mm-hmm. A very underrated defense mm-hmm. uh, with really good coaches, great uh offensive coordinator defensive coordinator Andy Reid all of that um sure uh I think they're kind of starting to feel a bit more playoff pressure than they were uh in their mm-hmm. first Super Bowl win when they were kind of like underdog surprise we're here but now they're like going to be the favorites year in and year out they're going to have to mm-hmm. kind of adjust to that pressure mm-hmm. but I think this team is just too good to not be not be back in the Super Bowl anytime soon, especially now uh, they got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He actually had a pretty solid game in terms of mm-hmm. yards per carry. 
and he's going to get some extra development. So I think the Chiefs, their future is still going to be there. They're still going to be Super Bowl contenders year in and year out. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, like, at the very least, this is a deep playoff team. I think that definitely they can make it back to the Super Bowl in the foreseeable future. I mean, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, he's just too talented. And since he, the Chiefs have him locked into a 10-year deal, I mean, he's mm-hmm. not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, they have, just like Dylan said, one of the most talented rosters we've ever seen. Uh, Travis Kelsey, he's just continuing to get better with age. Tyreek Hill, he's a speed demon. And I think that as his defense and offense continues to add weapons, um, I think that they have the foundation to be just a great team year in and year out. I mean, Andy Reid, he's definitely the guy. You don't want to get rid of him. He's a great coach. Um, your coordinators are solid as well. Um, I, I mean, as a Chiefs fan, I wouldn't be too scared by this Super Bowl uh, by the Super Bowl loss, I think that definitely this was a winnable game for them, though. So I would be a little bit upset. But I think that uh, if they focus on the areas that they need a little bit of help in, i.e. that offensive line and then, of course, your secondary, I think that they can definitely uh, pick it up where they left off uh, at the start of the year. I think that this team looked a little bit sleepy this year in a lot of their games, but I think they'll definitely they'll work on it. I think the cold reality of the loss will sink in. And I think hopefully that'll motivate them to do even better and yeah, I think the future is pretty bright for this team. Yeah, so following that Super Bowl, we're going to take kind of a step back, just reflect on this overall NFL playoff experience. Uh, mm-hmm. We obviously did our predictions at the beginning of this playoff. So, Drew, just what do you think you did right and wrong? Your uh, predictions, how'd you do? And things like that, man. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to start out here with the uh, the super wild card round. Uh so I first I had predicted uh, I'll start off with the NFC here. I had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning. Uh, so I got that one right. I had the Seahawks winning, which I lost and I had the Saints winning. So I went two and one there. Uh, then as for the AFC, I had the Ravens winning, uh, which they ended up winning. So I, I won that one. I had the Steelers winning, which they lost. So I lost that one. And then I had the Bills winning, which they did win. So I went two and one there as well. Next in the divisional round, uh, I had the uh, Chiefs winning over the Browns, which they obviously did, and uh, I had the uh, the Bills winning over the Ravens, uh, which they did as well. Uh, as for the NFC, I had the Saints beating the Buccaneers, which they did not do, um, so I lost that one, but I did have the Packers beating the Rams pretty easily, which they did do. Uh, then when it came to the AFC, uh, NFC championships, I had the Packers winning, they did not win, uh, and I had the Chiefs winning, which they did win, and then in the Super Bowl, I had the Kansas City Chiefs winning. They did not win. And that leaves me at an overall record of 8-5. and five. I mean, this year, I'm not too mad about my predictions. I think during the regular season, out of the three of us, I think I was the most consistent. I think I ended up with the best record. But I think that this playoffs, I, I think I just left too much up to my imagination about intangibles, just possible things. I think I, I should have realized that playoff football is really is a different beast. And, I mean, if you have experience, we saw when Tom Brady won the – won the Super Bowl you really experience is probably the best teacher and that's going to be the best prepared team and I just took into account uh I didn't take into account some intangibles but I kind of valued some over others like I thought that this Chiefs team would be able to win just because they had more experience because this Bucks team a lot of a lot of it is a lot younger I mean yeah you have like Tom Brady but then you have a lot of young guys like Antoine Winifield and just given the inconsistency of some teams I thought that they would be able to uh they would be a first round exit or an easy playoff uh, win for some teams, but yeah, we saw a lot of drama this playoffs. We had some 
big upsets and just overall it was it was a fun ride and i mean eight and five we're, i'm not gonna be complaining about that record it's a winning record but uh i i would have loved to do a little bit better maybe stuck to my guns a little bit more and been more confident about some of my picks yeah so i think i did pretty good myself uh obviously i had most of my uh my points my kudos from uh getting Tom Brady beating the Saints and the Packers correctly. I did mm-hmm. initially have the Chiefs winning, but then, you know, my emotions, my uh, my Tom Brady passion kind of just drove me to pick the Bucks. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really going to count that because I had the Chiefs winning initially. But mm-hmm. uh, other than that, I was pretty solid. The Seahawks kind of ruined me there, Drew, because yeah, I had them winning yeah. two games. They and my seating, my seating was a bit different than yours because I mm-hmm. had the Bucks initially beating the Packers. Or the uh-huh. Saints, I forget, the Saints, and Saints. then the Browns uh, obviously upset the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Chiefs, you know, I had that Chiefs Bills. I had uh, Bucks. I had Bucks Saints in the championship, and it was Bucks Packers. Mm-hmm. But I think I did pretty solid overall, other than kind of just a small game. Browns upset. I mean, you know, maybe I'll I'll trust Baker more now, but I don't think anybody <laughs> really kind of was confidently going to pick the pick the Raven or pick the Browns, excuse me, to win that game. I got mm-hmm. the Tom kind of under upset uh, rides correctly, but the Seahawks was really kind of the downfall of my bracket. Yep. Seahawks were the downfall of my happiness as well. Um, <laughs> but moving on here, uh, I'm really excited for next season. Uh, but uh, looking on this past season, we just had the NFL awards on Saturday. I want to say, I think it was Saturday. Um where we saw some some picks, some of them were thought to be controversial, others uh, were pretty easy. Dylan, uh, how many? Because we did release a graphic if you guys saw of our award prediction slash who we think should get them. Uh, and uh, just based off of that, Dylan, how'd you do? And uh, do you think that there are any notable kind of snubs or kind of bad decisions? Yeah. So overall, my record wasn't that hot but uh mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers MVP everybody had that I thought Josh yep. Allen should win offensive player of the year but Derrick mm-hmm. Henry winning that I'm totally fine mm-hmm. but uh TJ Watt not winning the defensive player of the year yeah. is where I'm gonna have to take a stand because TJ Watt uh, led uh beat Aaron Donald in every single statistical category except for yep. one I think mm-hmm. the NFL at this point is kind of just trying to force feed Aaron Donald these awards to contribute to the idea that he's the best player in the NFL, which I think is absolutely ridiculous if you've listened to this show. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's just really, really annoying me. And then you see all these people saying, oh, Donald's getting double team, triple team. Let's not act like TJ Watt is getting single coverage one-on-one every single time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although the Rams' defense was statistically better than the Steelers' defense, the Steelers' defense is still really good. Mm -hmm. And it's just TJ Watt – the, the stats win you this award and TJ Watt just had better stats. It's simple as that. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree with Dylan there, but I'll go into my record a little bit first. I only got one pick wrong and that was my coach of the year pick. I got every single other pick, right? Kind of a brag. Not really since this awards was pretty predictable. I picked Aaron Donald over TJ Watt, not because I don't think that, uh, excuse me, Not because I don't think that TJ Watt doesn't deserve it more than Aaron Donald, but but that's because I thought that's what the NFL was definitely going to do. Uh, I think Aaron Donald's an incredibly dominant defensive player, but if we're going off of performance this season, if we're just going off of just pure dominance from their position, I think you have to go TJ Watt. TJ Watt, like Dylan said, led Aaron Donald in every single statistical category and 
one thing that my friend pointed out, if those roles were reversed, Aaron Donald is the undisputed DPOY. Yeah. We, we know it's going to yeah, go yeah, either way. And the fact that, yeah, like Dylan said, a lot of people saying, oh, yeah, Aaron's getting double teamed, uh, but uh, TJ's really not. It, that's not true at all. TJ Watt is an integral part of why the Steelers are have such a great defense. And TJ Watt, he's really – he's proved unstoppable. A lot of people are just not being able to stop him. Aaron Donald was stoppable this year, especially in the playoffs against the Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really hold that against him since he was injured, but just overall – Aaron Donald absolutely deserved to lose this award to TJ Watt. Um, but yeah, I think it's just more of an NFL narrative type of thing. But overall, all the other stuff was kind of predictable. I had Derrick Henry. I had Aaron Rodgers. just kind of the predictable picks. I could have seen maybe Justin Jefferson coming away with the upset for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Some people mad about that. But Herbert had such a great year. I don't really think you can give it to a wide receiver over him. But uh, overall, yeah, our... NFL awards predictions. I think we all had winning records, which is good. But uh, moving on, just looking at next season, me and Dylan are going to do something. We're going to make a hot take. We're going to do one hot take about NF- next NFL season, and uh, we'll see if it comes true. Dylan, what's your hot take? Yeah, so I kind of have two hot takes that okay. I was deciding between. Mm-hmm. But my main hot take is going to be that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will finish with a better record than they did this year and will just be a better overall team, play even better. And Super Bowl champion, oh, you know, like they probably had a really good record. Their record was only 11-5. and five, And I say only 11-5 and five because they had the GOAT Tom Brady. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there's tons of room for improvement with this team because they got uh, AB fluently established in that system now. Scotty yep. Miller is going to be developing. Antoine Winfield is going to be developing. That defense has just absolutely increased exponentially as the season went on. And the mm-hmm. main thing, though, is Fournette is now the clear RB1. They've got that run game yep. figured out. They know their scheme figured out. Uh, let Tom Brady call the plays, not Bruce mm-hmm. Arians. And it's just <laughs> – I think this team just still has so much room to grow. I think Tom Brady, I don't think he's going to be falling off in this one year. Uh, you know, maybe mm-hmm. his arm will go down a bit, maybe the numbers, but it's not going to be enough for this team to just not be better than 11 and 5, in my opinion. Obviously, you know, uh, I don't have the rec or their schedule, but I could easily see them being a uh, like a 13 and 3 team next year. You know, I might be mm-hmm. a bit hot after the Super Bowl win, but hot take Bucks better than 11 5 next year, better overall team, lock it in. Yeah, I like that. Uh, definitely, there's some truth to that statement for sure, but. Uh... I was just talking about this guy um, as Offensive Rookie of the Year, Justin Herbert, and I'm going to make a bold prediction. This is kind of two predictions in one, um, kind of like Dylan's. But I predict that next season, Justin Herbert's going to be a borderline top five QB in the league. And next year, I don't think that Lamar Jackson is going to be a top five to top ten mm. QB potentially in the league. Now, let me kind of give you my reasons as to why I think Justin Herbert's going to do so well. And why I think he's going to be better than Lamar Jackson and why I think that Lamar Jackson is going to take a step back. I have a feeling in my gut that Lamar is going to end up proving me wrong. I hope for his sake that he does. But Justin Herbert, let me just talk about this guy. He is 6'6". He's just an absolute unit. He's incredible. He's, he's scarily mobile for a 6'6 quarterback. And uh, he, just overall, he's a great player. I love his reads. He, he's not making a lot of rookie mistakes like you see a lot of guys like Tua Tagovailoa doing. He just came. He just came into the league, proved everyone wrong. He looks like a starting quarterback. The Chargers have easily found their franchise QB, and I think that this year, with a much more improved defense, when you're having Nick, your two best players, Joey Bosa and Derwin James, coming back, 
They were injured the entire year. You have a new defensive head coach with Brandon Staley. I think he was a great hire for the Chargers. Anthony Lynn, it sucks. And the Chargers were 7-9, and nine, but they, they lost by one score almost all of those games that they yeah. – all of the nine games that they lost, they lost by, uh, by like, under one score, which is just absolutely incredible. I mean, a lot of people like to make jokes about the Chargers choking and everything. They, they really – they just did it. Like, I mean, you can take the Raiders game, for example, where – the, the money badger just absolutely shanked like three kicks that could have won them the game. Uh, they ended up winning it after Herbert did some late game heroics, but just showing that. And then you also have that. It just makes me cringe every time I watch it where Justin Herbert throws an absolutely beautiful Hail Mary. They get to like the three or the two yard line. They don't have any timeouts left. And then freaking Anthony Lynn's like, yeah, let's, let's do a running play here. They don't have any timeouts. They get stuffed because the bills have a good running defense. And then they don't have any timeouts, so Justin Herbert can't score a touchdown. They can't win the game, which, I mean, I'm really glad that this team has a new head coach. I've always predicted that the Chargers will be a playoff team. I feel like they've always had the weapons to do that. I think that if you have a great pass catching back in Austin Eckler, you have Keenan Allen, you have these rookie wide receivers. You got, like, uh, you got some, like, rookie wide receivers. You got Hunter Henry. I just feel like this unit's just going to keep getting better. I think that they go to the playoffs next year under Justin Herbert. I think that Justin Herbert, he's a great quarterback. And really, I feel like he'll be a borderline top five. I don't say top five because I don't think he'll be that good. But I think that he'll definitely be inside of the top ten towards the upper echelon. Echelon, sorry. Um, but moving on to Lamar Jackson, this is kind of where a little bit of a downer here. Lamar has definitely regressed from his first year in the NFL. It's Honestly, it's less of a regression from his form during his MVP season and more of the league is figuring out his weaknesses and really pinpointing those. And I'm going to say that if Lamar Jackson does not fix his arm and if he does not fix his just quarterback IQ, he's not going to be able to succeed in the NFL. This Ravens Hmm. team, they really they've just been running a gimmicky offense. I mean, I hate to be saying it because I think it works and I think if it works, you can't really make fun of it that much. But the Ravens, they're just doing run, 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 QB option, QB option. They they call a play action, then Lamar just runs because he doesn't have a wide open receiver. And when he does throw, it just doesn't look good. Lamar, he, he's very inaccurate. I don't think he has a great arm. Just overall, mobile quarterbacks in the NFL, they usually don't last very long. We have the example of Donovan McNabb. We have the example of Michael Vick. We have so many guys that are – or Robert Griffin III, for example, as well. You have another great mobile quarterback. I think Lamar is definitely the most polished guy, the most futuristic guy out of all of them. And I feel like he can definitely take a step up, but I'm just going to say that he doesn't. I feel like he's not going He's going to be a borderline top 10 to not top 10 QB next year. I don't know. I just don't see the drive, and I don't see the hunger from him that he wants to get better and focus on his weaknesses. He just doesn't look comfortable when he gets in those situations. But knowing that Lamar Jackson is an amazing athlete and an amazing football player. I think he definitely works on those things. I think that he can definitely reassert himself as a top five QB. I don't think he's a top five QB in the league this year, but just overall, I, I, I feel like he's not going to make it in there. That's going to be my hot take to my hot takes. Actually. Um, I hope that Lamar proves me wrong, but I, that that's what I'm sticking with for now. I uh, yeah, moving on to kind of something a bit more off topic from sports. Uh, mm-hmm. Lil Uzi Vert, uh, rapper, mm-hmm. got a pink diamond ingrained into his forehead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twenty four million dollars, just like that, on a pink diamond that's stuck on his forehead. Drew, what's your reaction to this? Uh, the waste of money, uh, thoughts, all of that stuff. 
You know, it's funny because it reminds me of a dollar store tiara that you can rip a peeled diamond <laughs> off of and adhesive it to your forehead. I mean, really, this is the stupidest purchase I think I've almost ever seen. The fact mm. that this is just really sad because you, you have someone that a lot of people look up to and he spends $24 million on a diamond implanted into his head. Like, what kind of message does that send to your fans? Uzi fans are just making themselves like it. They're saying, like, oh, it's fire, it's fire. It's like, it, he looks like an idiot. Like, why would you yeah. want that done to yourself? This guy literally, if this guy takes off a t-shirt the wrong way, he could die. Like, wh- what are you doing? <laughs> and just overall, $24 million. Like, if it's, like, a million dollars, like, $2 million, like, I mean, it's still not, it's still a horrible purchase, but <laughs> you can live with it. But $24 million, that's, like, almost as much of your as your net worth. That's more than a house. That's more than, like, your entire car collection. Wait, what are you doing there? Like, what is the thought process that makes you think that's a good idea? Like, I mean, if you want to look like Vision from Avengers, like, you can go ahead and you can buy a costume. You can be as cool as you want. You can even glue that to your forehead if you want it, and you can take it off later. But when you go to sleep (laughs) at night and you go and you rub your forehead in the middle of the night and it starts oozing and bleeding because your pink diamond is there and it starts rummaging around on your skull, then you're going to kind of realize this is a stupid purchase. And Louis is in his 20s now. When he gets to his, like, 40s, he can't have that surgically – he can have it removed, but he's going to have a diamond-shaped implant in the middle of his forehead for the rest of his life. One of the stupidest decisions I think I've ever seen a rapper make. Yeah, so I completely agree with everything you just said. Uh, $24 million for a diamond to get ingrained in your forehead that is basically Mm -hmm. permanent regarding any surgical uh, procedures. It's Mm -hmm. just – it doesn't even look good, like (laughs) – if you want to spend, like, a million dollars on, like, a chain or something like that, you know, I could see that. Uh, you know, you got the money. A chain you could take on and off. But this mm-hmm. a pink uh, diamond that's just going to be there forever, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. $24 million is so much money. It's just ridiculous. I mean, Lil Uzi Vert, I think he's definitely going to regret this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of a similar thing to a tattoo. Uh Mm-hmm. tattoos you see a lot of people get tattoos uh i don't personally have a problem with them that's just not something that interests me because you know one day you know what if you don't want to have that tattoo anymore it's just a, such a pain to get it off and this thing it's just how are you just gonna go about your daily life with just a diamond <laughs> on your forehead it's just the things that is going to be limited by this it's just it's just incredible to me the how does he process, go through a metal detector at the airport the like you just got to think of stuff like that well, what is his financial advisor doing? Because I know this guy doesn't yeah. manage his own money. Like, how can he justify <laughs> spending this $24 million? I mean, maybe he made a bunch of money from GameStop or something, but $24 million is just uh, – I'm at a loss for words. And uh, just further dislikes – further deepens my dislike for the little Uzi Vert. Yep, yep. I completely agree. But uh, moving on to your, here, uh, it's everyone's favorite segment. It's our favorite segment. We got a love and hate for you today. Dylan, do you want to start this one off? What's your love? What's yeah, your hate? so I'm actually going to go with a hate today, and that's going to be uh, Mark Gasol's fit with the Los Angeles Lakers. So okay. I'm a Laker fan. I watch the Laker games. Mark Gasol is our starting center, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And this guy yep. just does not fit with the scheme. We brought him in because we lost JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. Gasol mm-hmm. does not have the same defense at all whatsoever that these guys bring. The rim protection is not there. He mm-hmm. can't move as much. The spacing with the threes is okay. I mean, I guess that's a benefit, but I don't want him shooting high-volume three-pointers. 
He just can't mm-hmm. move. He can't run. He can't protect the rim. He can't. He just can't do basically everything JaVale and Dwight were doing. Uh, I know that we lost them, so like we had to bring in something. But I think you could mm-hmm. start Montrez Harrell, move eighty to five, move eighty yep. to five, bring in Kuzma, uh, maybe put Braun at the four, bring in like Caruso off the bench. There's just so many yeah. other options than just Marcus Gasol. It just really annoys me because this guy just slows down our offense so much, and it just it pains me to see it. Yeah, and I, I'm so confused. It's like it's like Montrez Harrell has just been. He's been like I think he he puts himself on the bench just so he can win six man of the year every year. Like I don't know why this guy's not starting for the Lakers, especially over Marcus Shaw. Marcus Shaw's like almost forty now, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I definitely understand if you're a Laker fan, you'd definitely be upset by that. But uh I also went negative today. I went for a hate. Um I'm gonna say that my hate for today, it's gonna be sports fans uh on IG comments, uh especially <laughs> the NFL posts, ESPN posts, sports center posts. It, it is really it is baffling to me, just the just the stark contrast in the post. Like I know for a fact that uh, on the Super Bowl, I scrolled through two posts. Basically, like one of them was like from Sports Center, was like uh, like your normal like classic like Tom Brady wins his seventh ring like graphic, and then like a Bleacher Report, basically the same thing. Tom Brady like dancing or something, but like you check the comments of both of them. One of the comments says like. Uh, refs helped Tom Brady, refs, uh, refs sold, refs sold the game, Tom Brady's paying off the refs. And then the other comment section is like, anyone who says like the refs sold the game are like dumb. And they have like equal amount of likes and they're on very similar pages. So, you know, like they're, they're basically like the same person is probably liking these same two tweets and agreeing with both of them. Like, it's just so dumb. And I feel like people that just complain about the refs in general, like, I mean, unless it's a horrible call, which in this game, I saw two borderline bad calls, but, like, two. And, like, it's a group of four humans. Yes, it's the Super Bowl. That does not mean that the refs sold them the game. Yeah, like, the refs were the ones stopping the Chiefs' offensive line from getting absolutely melted by Jason Pierre-Paul and his nine fingers. Like, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And I just hate the polarity and just the kind of the top comments that kind of suggest that, like, sports and, like, stuff like that is just rigged. It's just really annoying. And... Yeah, I, I just – I feel like IG – like, I mean, I really like some of the comments. Like, some comments are really funny. Um, but, like, just in situations like this, it's just it's just so annoying to see people just, like, kind of make excuses for either side. And, yeah, it, it's just it just annoys me. That's my hate for today. Yeah, so that's going to wrap up the episode. We'll be back uh, next Sunday or Monday. We're going to see what's up with that. Uh, no yeah. more NFL, you know. We'll bring you guys to yeah. see news, things like that. I'm going to get some more NBA, some non-sports, and uh, all that good stuff. But that'll wrap up our 